0: morning. We have used the word revival a lot already this morning, and honestly, that's a church word. Um, That's a word that, um, especially in the context in which we talk about it, um, is probably not found in many conversations outside of, of church life and if you didn't grow up uh, in a in a church home and, and perhaps even a, a Baptist home um, that term might be a little unfamiliar uh, to you this morning um, but it's it's an emphasis that um, that our pastor has felt um, strongly about um, so what is it what, what what does that what does that mean? Uh, how what does it mean to us today? Um, how do we how do we understand the concept of being spiritually renewed? Um, and the first thing that I, I think is important for us to understand today is that revival is not. A corporate event. Now the results, as Daryl has already shared with us, often uh, lead to um, corporate and cultural changes and, and certainly that would be uh, an expectation or desired outcome uh, for someone. But revival itself, spiritual renewal itself is a very personal, intimate event that happens between one born-again believer and Almighty God. Um, Coach Hill and I have a friend that travels for a living. And um, well, bless his heart, he's, he's just always in trouble because he drives too fast. Um, I, I, I've lost count of the number of times that uh, this man has had to um, move to the next level of high-risk insurance because of the number of tickets that, that he's gotten. And I was talking to him one time, and, and he said he said, you know, I've been stopped by some of the finest law enforcement people in the state. And he said, but the one that really irritated me the most was when I was driving on LBJ Freeway in Dallas, Texas. Cars zooming by me 100 miles an hour. And he said, Cody, I'm just trying to keep up. And he said, this guy had the nerve to pull me over and give me a ticket. And I said, well, man, what'd you say? He said, well, I just told him. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, with all these idiots out here, you're going to pull me over and give me a ticket. I said, what did the policeman say? He said, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he said, sir, we get them one idiot at a time. (laughs) The concept of spiritual renewal is the very same thing. Whether you're talking about Evan Roberts or the Great Awakening, uh, in uh, colonial times in our country or, or some of the crusades that Billy Graham led or any type of, of movement of God that we remember that had an impact on society, I can assure you they all begin one heart at a time. And so this morning, I think it's imperative as we go through um, this process and as we look at the the various scriptures and stories that we'll be looking at today, that we understand God wants to speak to me. That's that's the foreign concept in a lot of ways because God is God and we know who we are. But the truth is this morning that God wants to speak to us individually, intimately, intimately, personally. And if revival comes to First Baptist Church Huntington, I promise you that's how it will start. It it won't be with um, meetings that we schedule or um, events that we have or programs that we initiate. The genesis of all revival is in the heart of Of the believer when the Holy Spirit through the penetrating power of God has the opportunity to really get our attention and to make us stop and listen to what God is saying to us individually so that's the first thing revival is a very personal intimate occurrence second thing is this movements of God are not about motion. They're all about locomotion. Movements of God are not about motion. They're all about locomotion. And that, that can be confusing too. But, you know, motion is activity. Motion can, can be anything. I can, I can stand here this morning and, and wave my arms and jump up and down and, and have all kinds of motion and all kinds of energy and uh, uh, you, you, can, you can see that it's very visible. It, it's, it's something that you can, you can identify with. But I can do all of that and stay in the very same spot. Movements of God require locomotion. They require that I leave where I am now. Spiritually, um sometimes physically, but I leave where I am now and I go where he is, where he's calling me to go. We, we see that in our text this morning. Um, Elijah, okay, had to have some locomotion uh, about this time that, that God was using him uh, there um, and what will culminate Uh, a little bit later today that that Daryl will talk to us about, Elijah had to move. And so I want want to quickly just give you some illustrations of some examples where movements of God require people, require folks just like us to leave where they are and go where he tells us to go. Uh, The first one I think about is the call of Abraham. If you read Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham to go to the land that He will show him. Now now remember the context of that conversation. Abraham's 75 years old. He is to the point in his life that we would equate with professional retirement. The Bible tells us that he'd acquired a lot of land and a lot of cattle and, and, and he had his life pretty well arranged in the fashion that he thought that he would live out the rest of his life and at that point in his, in his life, God comes to him and he says, Abraham, you have to go to the land that I will show you once you get there. Movements of God require locomotion, and most of them are not comfortable. Abraham was comfortable at that point in his life. He had made it. He had arrived. And God says, you have to leave. You have to go. Uh, Another movement of God, of course, is is the whole story of the Exodus. Exodus. Where, where Moses is is chosen, okay? And again, individually, okay? Personally, intimately, Moses encounters God in the wilderness, literally in the wilderness, okay? And, and he has this wonderful revelation of who God is, and he acknowledges who God is. He begins to worship God, and at that point in his life, the The past, I'm sure, was at least somewhat of a memory for him. All the trouble that he'd had in Egypt was was behind him as far as he was concerned. He had a new wife and a new family and and a new life. And he knew who God was, and, and, and he loved that, and he worshiped God, and he just got to feeling really, really good. And God says, I want you to go back to where you're a fugitive from justice. Moses, I want you to go back to the place where they hate you, where they they literally kicked you out, where they have wanted posters with your picture on them, that's where I want you to go. Movements of God require locomotion that are often uncomfortable. In In our text, if if we had time this morning you could see the the various things that God had put Elijah through to prepare him for what's ultimately going to happen at Mount Carmel you know there there are times when when he's starving to death and 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 literally God sends sends birds to to attend to his to his needs uh there's the time that he encounters the uh the lady and her son and 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 they have Uh, only enough provision for one meal. And and God, through Elijah, says, no, that's going to provide for all of us some very unpleasant, uncomfortable experiences that God has intimately with Elijah to prepare him to show the power of God on Mount Carmel. If you look in Philippians, Paul talks about Jesus and his, his decision uh, to come to earth. And Paul talks about the, the splendor of heaven in which he resides, just just briefly. And, and he talks about that, that, that Jesus made a personal choice not to be considered equal with God. For a time, but to submit himself to the will of his father and to come to this earth and to live a life of of self-deprecation, a very, very difficult life, very uncomfortable life. And Paul says he he submitted himself completely to death and, and then even the death on a cross. Jesus could have literally stayed where he was, and had all kinds of motion about himself. I, I don't know if he did that or didn't. But it wasn't until he moved that we see the work of God. It wasn't until he left where he was, as great as that particular place might be, and moved to where God is calling him to go, as uncomfortable and as unpleasant as that place might be, that we get to see the plan and the purpose and the power of God unfold. That's, that's the story of Evan Roberts. He, he had to go and do some things that were unconventional and, and out of his wheelhouse, so to speak, and, and, and not what he had imagined. have to move in step with God because the truth is our God is perpetual in nature. He's always moving in a forward direction. And when we don't then we're, we're by definition out of step and out of sync with Him. The last revival that I'll I'll share with you this morning uh, happened in 1994. And it happened to me. Um, I was minding my own business, you know, not bothering anybody. And a six-year-old child comes to spend the weekend with us And before the weekend's over, we realize she's not leaving. I had to move. I had to do things differently than I had done before. All of a sudden, I had a responsibility that, frankly, I didn't understand. I was 30 years old and pretty much used to doing the things that I wanted to do when I wanted to do them, and I had enough money to to do what I needed to do and and uh, I didn't bother anybody and anybody didn't bother me and I'd known Jesus since I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old and I had my ticket punched and everything was pretty good and now all of a sudden there is a human being in our house who's not leaving. Let me tell you that in every sense of the word was a revival for me. Because I had to do some things differently and I had to move out of a comfort zone. I had to God was speaking to me intimately and, and trying to tell me desperately that that the life he had given me was not for me, but so that I could share him with someone else. And when I did not listen, just like the people, the children of Israel did not listen, when Jezebel and Ahab were, were leading them astray, I didn't listen. They didn't listen. I'm, I'm sorry. They, they, they would not uh, turn and repent and follow God. They kept doing their own thing, and God said, okay, it's, it's just not going to rain. For me, he did just the opposite. He said, okay, you're not going to listen. So I'm bringing a flood to your house, boy. And that's exactly what he did overnight. And it required some locomotion on my part. It required me to get out of a comfort zone. Frankly, it required us to come and join First Baptist Church. That was the catalyst of us coming here because we felt that this was the place that Chelsea needed to be to grow spiritually. I was, I was fine doing what I was doing, but that's not what God had in mind. And God will use events in our lives, just like he did in the, in the text of our story this morning. God will use events in our lives to get our attention so that we can move from where we are now to where he wants us to be. And that is revival. That's spiritual renewal. I wish it were much more eloquent and... Um, uh, theological than that, but that's really what it is. When God uses whatever is at his disposal to get to our individual hearts, to cause a change in our lives, to put us in step and in sync with him. I want to leave you with a scripture reference, Second Timothy chapter 3. Paul, the the older preacher, is trying to encourage and instruct young Timothy as he's about to um, embark on on his preaching career. And in chapter 3, Paul says this, but mark this, mark my words. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, notice this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. To me, that's a pretty good snapshot of where our world is this morning. We are so self-indulgent and so self-interested. and We acknowledge God when, when we really need him and when our backs really get against the wall. But we don't love God the way we love other things. We don't tap into the power of God the way Elijah tapped into the power of God on Mount Carmel. It's easy this morning to stand here and say, Wow, that's our world. But remember this. Revival's not about our world. Our world will benefit from it, but revival's not about our world. Revival's about you, and revival's about me. So I can't read 2 Timothy chapter 3 and say that's our world today. I have to read that and say that's that's where Cody is today. So I'll, I'll conclude my portion this morning and... And just ask you to um, to bow your heads for a second, and um, to just truly think about those things that Paul mentions, and allow God, allow the Holy Spirit for each of us to get real specific. Paul had some generic terms there, lovers of things and lovers of money and um, other unflattering adjectives. But I believe God wants us to get really, really personal and really specific and uh, identify those generic terms with the things in our lives that keep us from being what he has in store for us to be. So we'll just take a few moments and, and uh, just, just enumerate those things in, in your own mind. And they'll be different for each one of us. But those, those things that if the truth were known today and if, if we really were honest with ourselves, we would have to say we put these things in the place that God should rightfully have. And we know we need to move away from that. <laughs>
1: ask Brother Milton to come and lead us in prayer. Brother Milton, would you come? Most gracious Heavenly Father, our loving God, as we bow before you this morning, God, I just pray that we would take these things into our heart that we've heard Brother Cody tell us this morning, Father, I have looked into my heart and tried to identify a few things, God, that I know that you are not pleased with me about. Father, I ask that you would just help me in my life, that I would overcome these things and that my walk with you would be straight. It would be pleasing unto you. Father, I thank you for the time that Brother Cody has put in and those other that will be speaking to us this morning that a true revival will come to our lives. A revival that would be pleasing unto you That will become close to you. Father, I thank you for what this church means to me. I thank you for those that are in leadership capacity, God, that They would seek your will and they would lead us in the way you'd have us to go. Father, just be with us during the remainder of our time today that we would just have open hearts and open ears and open mind that would be mindful unto you, God, that we would just understand what you'd have us to know today. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.